It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Across our city, most of them, if not all of them, actually understand that we are not in competition with one another. In fact, it's the opposite, that we're all part of the same team. And and in fact, the only way that we're going to see the kingdom of God expanded in our city in our state, in in our nation, is this idea that every one of us brings to the team certain strengths. Don't don't ignore, don't pay attention to the talent. I mean, to the help. (laughs) Keep your eyes on the talent. (laughs) And, um, you know, and, and, and every team member, as you guys know, if you play team sports or watch team sports, every team member brings something different and they're not meant to all be the same. And they're meant to play in this, see the mission of the team in this case, and together, uh, collectively, to actually see the mission of the team, in this case, God's kingdom advanced. And I'm so grateful for relationships that I personally have with other church leaders across our city, and that we as a, as a church, by kind of through that, uh, have with churches across our city. One of the, my good buddies is a guy named Steve Hall, and uh, he's a hillbilly. Um, <laughs> Yes, yes, as are, as are far too many of you. And uh, yes, he, he's wearing bib overalls underneath. <laughs> underneath he's preaching clothes. Uh, you might think he's drinking coffee, but it's actually hillbilly moonshine. And uh, anyway, it's probably about, anyway. We're gonna be start a bus service just from the hills down to here on a Sunday morning. So uh, stay tuned for that announcement. <laughs> Maybe we can divert through Forest Field on the way here. Kaylee, save you, yeah, we can. We can do it. I'm an ideas man. It's what I do. And uh, anyway, Steve's uh, become over the last uh, five or so years one of my great friends. We've left a trail of empty coffee cups right across the Perth metro area with just connecting and doing life and sharing. And uh, Steve's a lot of great things I love about Steve. Um, and this is not this is not an episode of This Is Your Life. Uh, he's not dead yet, but um, <laughs> but there's a lot of there's a lot of great things about Steve. But let me tell you one thing about Steve is he's super real and super integrous. And uh, those are two characteristics that uh, for, for us to invite someone to speak, they have to actually check both of those boxes. Like be real and be integrous, and then we'll give you the microphone and let's see if you can preach. But he can preach, so uh, that's, that helps. Anyway, well, it's my great pleasure to, uh, and privilege to welcome this morning our guest speaker, Hillbilly Steve Hall. How about we welcome him? It's funny he talks about the hillbillies. I was at a, um, a conference that was actually a roundtable discussion and I was doing a uh, cohort talking about leadership. And um, in this, they were saying, well, you know, coming up with these things that were all right, the right thing to say, right? And I kept getting it wrong. So when it got to the stage where they said, so, you know, we don't do this meditation stuff, and I go, well, up in the hills, we always meditate, so that's fine. Um, but when it came to a staff meeting, they said, so what do you do in your staff meetings? And everyone said, oh, well, we sit down and we have a prayer time and we, we do our vision stuff. And they got to me and they said, so, Steve, what do you do in your staff meeting? I said, well, we get there early. We usually do a little bit of yoga, and then we do a little bit of meditation, and then we smoke a bit of pot because we're in the hills, and then we start our meetings. And, it's, and it didn't go down too well. Um, 
I didn't pass that course in case you wanted to know. But I, it's great being here. I really love being here. And I, I know that Mark doesn't like, you know, first thing you do as a guest speaker is you promote and you, you speak up the pastor of the church, right? I know Mark wouldn't want me to do that. I think he calls that something about um, doing something in your pocket. Um, so he won't talk about it either. But I'm not going to say this because it's the right thing to say, but I want to say it because it's important to me. But Mark has been a significant support to me just recently, um, and uh, I really appreciate that. And I know Mark is a quality communicator, so for him to invite me up here is not only a a privilege, but it's an honour, and I feel very humbled in doing that. So Mark, thank you, man, and Bless you. I'm looking forward to sharing with you. I want to share some thoughts that, that for those who are hillbillies, you might have heard this before, and praise God for Frank, hey? Do you know Frank over here who was diagnosed cancer? Church here prayed, um, and uh, grandchildren prayed, and now you are cancer-free. Hallelujah. Hey, praise God. And God does stuff like that, and that's what's exciting about coming together. But as I was sitting here a few weeks ago, and Mark had said, Steve, just bring up one of your old sermons. And I I looked at my filing cabinet, and you should see my files. They're not very good. So I was sitting there, and I thought, I'm going to speak on setting the reset button or hitting your reset button. But as I was sitting listening to Mark do his sermon, and if you haven't listen to the podcast, I encourage you to listen to the podcast of the last few weeks, because they're fantastic. And his title has been been The Beginner's Guide to Predicting Your Future, which I thought, that's interesting. And then he went on to say this statement, which you would have heard over and over again if you've been for the last four weeks. Direction determines your destiny, right? And I thought, great, my problem is my direction. Sometimes direction gets a little bit distorted. And I was thinking, well, where does my sermon fit into this? And it fits really well because you see, quite often, our direction is distorted by the amount of download on our lives. You see, sometimes the download on our lives just takes away our direction. Now, I'm not a computer guru, in case my computer and I have an interesting relationship. Sometimes I call it some names. And, and I discover when you're on your computer and you want this, you give your computer some direction. I want you to download this document, right? So you give it some direction. And then comes the demon of all computers, the hourglass. Or the little circle that goes round and round and round. Or those horrible dots that keep going across forever. And if you live in the hills, you would blame the internet. Because the internet's a bit slower in the hills, because it's got to come up the hill. Um, (laughs) But it slows it down. And it's frustrating, because the direction you're giving it is distorted because the amount of download that's happening at that time. And it could be download in some apps or some other windows, depending on what you're using, come up. And you've got all these apps open on your computer and it slows you down. Or maybe someone else is using a computer in the same place, in the same office, and they're uploading something and that reduces your speed. 
And so sometimes what other people are adding to your direction is causing you to slow down. Or maybe you've been into some of those web pages that have actually come and hacked you and they've got into your computer and they've got a virus in there and it's messy. You wouldn't do that if you were in an apple. But it causes it to slow down. And I think that's a little bit like life. We get our direction and we've got all this information and we've got all these apps up in life. There's the school, there's work, there's, there's retirement, there's whatever. You've got all these apps up in life and you sit there and go, I'm going to do this for Jesus or I'm going to do this in my life. But all these apps slow you down. So I want to talk to you today about maybe how do we actually reset See, I did discover, though, when I was, um, a few years ago, I was helping a friend out who um, does seminars on community development. And he said, Steve, come across and present for us, and would you also just help me out? No problem. So for three days, at this seminar in Melbourne, where there was all these people from non-profit organisations and from local governments, I became the IT nerd. Mate, I was it because I was the one setting up the video projectors, and the only piece of information I knew was, because they were using PCs, was function F5, right? As long as I had that, I was fine. I could get the PowerPoints happening, and everybody thought, wow, this guy's good, until their computer started to slow down. And when it started to slow down, who do you go to? The IT man, right, so what else do I know? Well, the only other thing I knew was Control-Alt-Delete. So I used that a fair bit, right? That sometimes didn't work, and I found out there was one other thing I could do. I remember every time I spoke to someone on the, on the phone about my IT, they would say, turn it off and start again, right? So pull the plug, because when you pull the plug, everything goes back to the default position. I want to suggest to you today, whether, it's, whether you're a believer or not listening today, that sometimes life gets so, so much download on our lives that we start to lose our direction. And for those who are believers and Christians, sometimes we come to a place where we say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, or I'm going to pray every day, and then all this download comes on our lives, and it slows us down. And maybe you're starting to lose some direction, or maybe you've made some promises that you never kept. And I want to suggest that we need to go to the place of our default position. We need to get to the place where we stop, and we start again, default position. And to do that, maybe we need to look at some scripture of a story that happened. A story that happened back in time of Jesus when he was here on earth. And there was a gentleman who was in this story, and his, his problem was that Something happened in his relationship with Jesus that caused him to stop and realize that maybe this download experience stopped him from doing the very thing that he'd promised to do. You know, there's lots of things can happen in our lives that take us off track. And one of those could be you're focused. And all of a sudden, one of the downloads could be that you suddenly find that you're sick. 
Doctors told you that it's not good. And the whole world changes. We spoke to a neighbour recently whose uh, daughter was in a terrible accident, bike accident, and she's now struggling with brain damage, and it's changed their whole world. All their plans were disappeared. And I've got a feeling this happened to this particular gentleman. His name was Peter. And just to give you some background story to this guy called Peter, is that Peter was the guy who came along and Jesus said, who do people say that I am? Now, Peter's been following Jesus. He's a fisherman. He's been following Jesus for some time. And Jesus says, what's everybody saying about me? And Peter says, oh, some are saying you're a good teacher and some are saying you're a prophet and some are saying this. And then Jesus says to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you got it, Pete. In fact, his name was Simon at that stage because he said, I will now call you Peter because on this rock, you are the rock, Pete. You're the rock. Mate, he was feeling pretty good. Yeah. Right? He was feeling pretty good. I got it right, and the church is going to go on my shoulders. I'm done it, right? Fast forward. Jesus is coming to that last weekend, the one that we're going to celebrate soon, Easter. And Peter is there around the table with Jesus on the Thursday night. And they're having this Passover feast. And around this table is a real gathering and relationships happening. And they're all laying on the floor probably having this meal. And Jesus starts to tell everybody what's going to happen. He's telling them that I'm going to be taken away and I'm going to die. Jesus, uh, Peter, right, the rock, says, that's not going to happen. I'm going to be with you all the way, Jesus. I've got this covered. Nothing's going to happen. And Jesus says to him, mate, I'm sorry. got some bad news for you. You're going you're to lose direction. You're going to say three times in a row, I don't even know Jesus. Well, Pete wasn't too happy about that. He goes, no, nah, that's not going to happen. Jesus said, well, it will. Before the cock crows, you're going to do this. So imagine this. This is Peter the Rock who's going to stand with Jesus because he's the tough dude and yet he's told he's going to crumble when the pressure gets on. But Peter ain't given up there because then they go out to the garden. And in the garden, all of a sudden, all the soldiers and the, and the, the chiefs of the, of the temple are coming along to take Jesus away and capture him. And what does Peter do? He's the rock. He's the tough guy. He pulls his sword out. Kuchipum. Chops the guy's ear off. Don't come near him. Jesus says, excuse me, put the sword away. Picks his ear up, sticks it back on the guy's head. Says, that's not the way we do it, Peter. What? I've got my direction I know what I'm going to be, and yet I seem to be failing all the time. Then that night, Peter is standing there while he's listening to all the accusations about Jesus, where he's hearing the whips going on on Jesus' back. And he's at this fire pit, standing around with some other locals. And one of them says, I recognize you. Peter says, no, nah, that's not me. <laughs> No, no, I'm sure it is you. No, 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 no never, never seen him before. No, 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 it really was you. And he goes, no. Sun comes up, cock crows, and he realises 
that he hasn't been what he thought he should be. His direction that he was set on to be the rock has just fallen apart. Jesus dies, goes in a tomb three days later, or on the third day, he rises again. He meets everybody. Remember, Pete was one of the ones who rushed down there to check out to see if Jesus was really okay. And he found him. And so now he's discovered the risen Christ. Imagine for a moment, put yourself in Peter's shoes. Look Jesus in the eyes and think, I let you down. I've messed up. I got distracted. I... He probably didn't feel too good. But it comes to Monday. And Monday they go out and Peter, I think, still struggling with this internal stuff. And they decide to go fishing. And they go fishing and they caught nothing. So Peter is there and he hears a voice from the beach saying, pull your nets up, fellas. Chuck it in the other side. Here's a rule for you, or something to take home. If you're catching nothing right now, if you're catching nothing, pull your nets up, stop for a bit, and then chuck it in the other side. Sometimes we need to stop what's not working and pull it up and then listen to where you're going to throw it back in. See, that means resetting the whole situation. Well, they cut a whole bunch of fish. The, the boat's just about sinking. They go to shore. They bring the fish in. But, you know, Peter can't wait. So he jumps in the water and he runs to see Jesus, who's sitting at another set of coals, another little fire. And at that fire, Jesus has already got the fish cooking. He didn't even wait for their fish. He's already got some going on the barbie. They're sitting around the fire. And I could imagine what Peter is feeling right now. Do you still love me? I know I messed up. I broke our relationship. I let you down. Well, this is really awkward. This is really awkward. Jesus then stands up and takes Peter for a walk away from the fire. What fire are you at at the moment? What set of coals are you at? Are you a set of coals that, that is there where you're actually not really sure about your relationship with a living God? Or are you at the fire which is going, my goodness, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm not sure if he really accepts me right now. Because today, I think God is calling us and saying, come for a walk away from the fire of disappointment. Come for a walk away from the fire of, of broken relationships. Come for a walk with me from the fire of too busyness. Come for a walk with me from the fire of sickness. Come for a walk. Because in that walk, we're going to reset. We're going to reset. Let's listen to what happens in that story. We're going to pick it up in John 21. John 21, it goes like this. After breakfast, so they've had their breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Remember what's happened? And now Jesus is saying to me, do you love me? Whoa. 
You think you know that answer. I just let you down. Do you love me more than these? What were the these? The fish? All that pile of fish that were in the boat? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Then he says, Got a call, sorry. Um, Jesus repeats the question again to Simon, son of John. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. I got a feeling that Pete was going, hang on a minute. Three times I denied you, and now three times you're asking me if I love you. I'm feeling for Pete here. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus. So I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Hmm. Jesus has just done a big feed himself. And now he's saying, I want you to feed my sheep. Then he goes on to say this. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, Follow me. In other words, what Jesus is doing is saying, I want to re-establish your destiny. I want to re-establish your direction. And so if you follow me, this is what's going to happen. We're resetting it, Peter. I actually got your direction in my hands. Right now, some of you need to know that God hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't gone, well, you messed up. Sorry, fellas. I'm over here, you're over there. Now he's come to you. He said, let's go for a walk. Let's re-establish relationship. And what I want to tell you is, I've got a destiny for you. God's got a destiny for each one of us. I want to give you three default situations that I picked up from that story. There's a default. When he reset, there was a default. A default, whether you're a believer or not, right now is this. Default number one. Do you know you're loved? You see, when everything boils down, do you know that you are loved? We were built and we were designed for relationship. That was creation. And you and I need to be loved. We need to know that we are loved. And Peter right there and then needed to know that he was loved. Jesus took him away. And he said, This conversation, which was all about re-establishing relationship. You know, I, I don't know what's happening in your life, but quite often it's what's happening on the inside of us, in our heads. We know what we've done wrong. I can fool you. I can make you think that I'm pretty good. Well, try. But deep down, I know who I am. And I know what's going on. My wife said to me the other day, she said, Steve, what's your problem? All these, we didn't quite say that. She knows I've got a problem. But she said, how much encouragement do you need? 
And I walked away from that thinking, you're right. But the problem is, it's not the external encouragement that's the problem. It's my internal voice that's my problem. And the internal voice is that voice of God that wants to whisper in you and say, you know what? I know that you've messed up our relationship. I know you've done things that have separated us. But I still want to come and walk with you. Like I walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. I want to walk with you again. And I want to walk with you away from the fire. I want to, do you know Jesus loves you? You know, there's an old song. And I got in trouble for saying this. So I'm going to be careful how I say this. But there's an old song that goes, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And although I believe the word of God is inspired and the Holy Spirit speaks to us, let me tell you, you don't, get, you don't grow in your relationship with God just because you've heard it or you've read it. It's because you know it because it's inside. You see, love is not something that's a head thing. Love is not something you don't get. The Bible is fantastic. I love it. I read it every day. But guess what? It doesn't hug me. It doesn't cry with me. It, it, it doesn't, it, it's not that, it doesn't walk with me every day. It tells me that God does, but it doesn't do it for me. And I want to suggest to you that it's not, we don't know Jesus loves us because the Bible tells us so. The Bible takes us to a place where we receive it. Why? Because love is a spiritual gift. What's the greatest gift? The greatest gift is love. Who is love? God is love. See, love is for you to receive and to take and to internalize. It says here in John 4.10, In this love, not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. It says in Romans, Romans 5.5, And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because we read it in the Bible. No, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That's how you know he loves you. And right now some of us need to say, Holy Spirit, fill me again with the love of God because I've got off track and I need to know your love. I was sitting at the beach, whoa, five minutes, I was sitting at the beach, and I was sitting at the beach, um, struggling with some decisions that we had to make, this was January, um, no, it was December, not last year, the year before, and I was sitting at the beach, and we were str- I was struggling, trying to make up my mind of what to do, I didn't know what to do, and I thought the yes was making me very anxious, and the no was scaring me, and I'm going, oh, this is driving me crazy, and I decided, that's it. So I was down the beach, I got my little chair, I went down on the beach, I stuck my chair in the sand, it was overcast, there was a storm coming in, and I went, I don't care, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to worship God. So I sat there and I had a little hoodie, I had my hoodie on, and I had my earphones up in my head, and I closed my eyes, and I'm just worshipping God by myself on the beach. No one around. Until we got to that song that says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And I started to feel it. I started to to feel that God was saying, you're my child and I love you. So I started shouting it loud with my eyes closed. I'm no longer a slave of fear. And I'm shouting this out. I opened my eyes. There's a lady walking past with a dog. (laughs) 
thinking, this is a crazy man. He's no longer a slave to fear. Because you see, love casts out fear, right? Yeah. And we need to know his love. And the only way we're going to discover his love is if we get, stop everything for a moment. Pull the plug. Reset. He loves you. He loves you so much. I'm going to go to the next point. Next point default is that do you love God? Do you love God? Revelation, last book, says, guys, you're doing all this great stuff. I love what you're doing in the community. I love your church. I love this. I love that. But I have this one thing against you. I have this one thing that troubles me. You've lost your first love. Get back to the first love. What's the first love? The first love is that he loved you first. Second love is that you love him back. I love what Peter, I love what Peter does here, right? Because Jesus says this. He says, do you agape love me? And Peter says, oh, you know that I philo love you. You see, agape means I'm going to give my life for you. Philo means let's be good friends. He says, I can't say I'm going to give my life for you because I said that before and I messed up. But I can be a friend, a philo. Jesus says, do you love me, agape? He says, you know that I fillow you, right? And then Jesus says, do you fillow love me? And Peter says, I do, you know that. Jesus says, I'm going to meet, I'm going to love you, agape, but I'm going to meet you where you love me. With the same one. You start to walk with Jesus. You start to let him love you. Let me tell you, when you are loved, you can't help but love back. You can't help it. If you let him love you, if you let him download love into you, you will grow in your love for him. And then, point three. The next default was this. Pete, go feed my sheep. Go feed my lambs. Now, People love this one because it always comes back on the pastor. Pastor, are you feeding the sheep? Are you teaching the church right? And that's the problem. The pastors aren't teaching you right now. It's the pastor's fault because he's got to feed you. Rubbish. How do you feed others? Who were the sheep? The sheep weren't the church people. The sheep were those that decided to follow Jesus. And he says, I want you. To go and give what I've given to you to others. I want you to go and love on others. Jesus says in his great prayer in John 17, Father, Father, the glory that you've given through me, would you do that through those that you have given me? He wants you and I to do the very things that he, wanted, he came to do. What did he come to do? He came to heal the brokenhearted. Come to set the captives free. Do you know, church, I've got 47 seconds, I won't get too far into this, but church, I want to tell you something. There's a whole world out there. And I've heard people say to me, I don't mind God, but I'm struggling with the church. And I want to tell you something. You are the church. You are the church. And there's a whole world that the only way they're going to find Jesus if we, the church, actually love on them. If we, the church, actually care for them. If we, the church, actually would sit with them. 
I sat with a guy the other day on the beach. Um, we'd actually been spending a day together. They were farmers and they were a bit rough around the edges and they'd been doing a bit of drinking and it was kind of fun and they'd said some naughty things and, and it was kind of fun. And we were stuck on the beach together because we got bogged and someone had to go and get the car. We're stuck on the beach and this English backpacker says to me, so, are you a farmer? And I go, no, mate, I'm not. He goes, what are you? I said, I'm a pastor. And he went, oh, for the next 20 minutes. He was apologising for everything he'd said and for all the rude comments. It was cool. And in the end, he said, so I come from England. I don't understand all this. What do you teach and preach? I said, stand back. Here I go. So I told him all about the gospel. And he's, first of all, he started off by saying, I'm an atheist. By the time we'd finished talking, he, he said, I think I'm a spiritualist. I said, mate, one more step and I got you. So it's... We have to be real with people in this world. We've got to love God, love, know his love, love God. Yeah. We've got to love this world. We've got to feed this world. Can I pray for you? Father, I want to ask right now. I cry out to you, our heavenly Father, who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that you right now would by your Holy Spirit, will fill us afresh with your love. Just fill us afresh right now. Just pour it in. All those doubts, all those confusions, all those things that we've done wrong, all those promises that we didn't keep, Father, forgive us. And right now, just pour that love of God into our hearts. And may our love for you grow and grow and grow. That what we do isn't to get from you, but we do stuff because of what you've already given us, which is your love. And Lord, I'm going to pray, especially this week, you will give us opportunities to actually feed those sheep in our community, our neighbours, our friends, with the love of God that you give us. Amen. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth environments, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.